Welcome to the What I Love About You podcast. I want to tell you three things that I love about you. I love about your smile. You love my smile? I love your smile. (laughs) I love your laugh. You have a contagious and amazing laugh. I love your beautiful singing voice. to the What I Love About You podcast. I am so excited for today's episode, and I am so excited for you to hear from someone that I have just fallen in love with and absolutely adore. Today's guest is Christian Bossy, and she is a wife, mother. She has a degree in Christian counseling. She's an author. She is a poet, a mentor. She's so creative, and I'm so excited for you to get to hear from her. She has the gift of using life-giving words. And y'all know how much I love talking about the power of our words. And when I found her Instagram, I immediately was just like, she is just the heartbeat of of what this podcast is about. So I wanted you to hear from her. Thank you so much, Christian, for being on today. We are so glad to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. So I want to start out a little bit and talk about when it comes to deciding, because I did hear that you self-published your works, when it came to that decision, where where did you kind of land and why did you decide to go that route? Um, so long story short, I had three friends at the time that I could identify and contact uh, that had already published books, two of which self-published and one that traditionally published. And I just asked them, you know, what is which is best what's the process uh, can you show me like what's your suggestion can you enlighten me on this and mm-hmm. ironically enough all three of them suggested self-publishing really <laughs> at wow. the time yeah so so I went with it and um that's that's ideally the reason why I went for it but ultimately just for me um I needed a lot more flexibility than mm-hmm. what was available for traditional publishing. And I knew that this was going to be a whole process for me as mm-hmm. a person. Um, so I needed to, I need to have as much flexibility as I wanted. And I wasn't really trying per se to have a whole huge audience at the time. So it was perfect for me to take self publishing. Gotcha. So what led you to that moment of wanting to write your first book? Uh, So I I actually had been learning a lot on a specific topic um, for the course of maybe like two years. I felt like God just kept Mm. reminding me of similar topics. And so I felt like I needed to write about it. And and then I just kind of got the confirmation one day in June of twenty. 17 that I needed to just go ahead and start writing it (laughs) so I did and and I I worked on it but it was oh my lampa (laughs) grueling in a way Mm -hmm. because I had to go through a lot of personal issues in the time work through Mm -hmm. different insecurities and Mm -hmm. and different things so at the end of writing the book uh, it finally came down to, I'm going to do this because I want to get it done and I want that mm-hmm. accomplishment. So it wasn't, it was for me, it was a, a long process of um, 
discovering more about myself and then deciding to follow through for myself. Oh, that's so good. And that is not easy. But do you feel like on the other side of it, you're grateful that you stuck it out and you went through that process? Yeah, definitely. So grateful. Um, and that's that's what I tell most people is it's going to be really hard, <laughs> but but it is yeah. so worth it in the end. I just so admire that someone who has a dream and feels like God's called them to do something and they do it. So you mentioned 2017. Does that mean that you've written your five books in the last three years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I have. I know that sounds crazy. It That's awesome. Sounds a little wild. <laughs> That's incredible. Honestly, I purchased your most recent book and I was telling you this before we recorded I had all of your books and then my husband reminded me of our budget that we're trying to, you know, the whole budget thing. So I started with one and I have absolutely fallen in love with Eyes on You. And it just released, was it June 3rd? Is that right? Yeah. And it's a book of, would you say poetry? Is that, yeah. is that correct? And I, I just feel like I've never read a book like this where, you know, typically when I read books, I love poetry, but when I read books, it's like, chapters and there's a lot of words and there's something to me about reading your book there's so much power in looking at a page and there's not a ton of words on the page some of the pages there's more than others but the words that are on the page are powerful like they move you and they just make you think and I love the way it's broken up and I'm going to post a link to your website and all your social media in the description of the episode but I would just encourage everyone listening Go get a copy of this book. Get all of her stuff. I'm sure it's amazing. But Eyes on You is just something that you can pick up and you can read. You know, if you have 10 minutes, read through a few of them and you will be thinking, when can I pick this book back up? That was my thought every single time I set it down was, when can I look at that again? When can I read through that again? I have asked Christian to read um, one of her poems from this book that just moved me so much and it's found on page 31 would you read that for us yes i exhale releasing the rising tension within me before it boils over leaning in i lift my hands with my palms towards heaven i relent my desire to retreat as i yield to your heart i find freedom oh so good I feel like I just need a moment of silence for how good that is. Oh, so good. And I just love specifically what spoke to me. I'll be real honest with you about this specific poem. The line that says, I relent my desire to retreat. That is so powerful. And I think for me personally, in this season recently, in the last few months, even starting back with COVID-19 a few months ago, there's been just such a desire to like, Clam up and retreat and and mm -hmm. just stop, you know, stop life and stop pursuing my relationship with Jesus and just kind of get into a funk. And I don't know if that's exactly what you were thinking of when you wrote those words, but to me, it just represented this like relenting, that like giving it up and yielding to His heart. And just that is where freedom is found. And I, oh, it's so good. Do you feel like you have like a creative process when writing? Is there something specific that really helps you or is there something that you really go to to find inspiration? Like, where would you say you go to for that? Um, well, the interesting thing, and especially with poetry, uh, for me, poetry wasn't, uh, it wasn't something I 
grabbed onto intentionally, <laughs> but it just so happens that a, a lot of times how I hear God and and how I process things with Him uh, through worship and prayer is He'll be talking to me and He'll give me pictures or mm-hmm. or like set words and phrases. For example, the ones that in that book uh, Eyes on You, where it says He says, or it's a letter from love those are like word for word things that I, I felt like he was saying um so a lot of times when it comes to poetry um it is it's in prayer or it's in worship mm-hmm. where I feel like I just need to get these things out and so I'll write it down I'm, I'm a big on note taking mm-hmm. <laughs> during prayer um so mm-hmm. a lot of this stems from that but then some more personal things like like with my free write poems or like the poem that I put up last night on my story. That's just me <sighs> relenting of all the craziness in my mind and in my mm. heart. Um, like I said, I see things in pictures a lot of times. So yeah. it's 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 like a, a picture depicting my feelings. So that's typically my creative process for writing. Uh, revising is a whole another story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I, I I hate revising for several reasons. Revising mm-hmm. reveals to you uh, all your flaws, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all of your flaws, and uh, you can tell I'm in editing mode because typically I'll turn to my husband and say, "I'm an awful writer." <laughs> oh. I'll be like, "This is so bad." <laughs> It's so true, though, that to be willing to step into that space where you're going to revise and really mm-hmm. kind of rethink things and 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 put a micro like a magnifying glass. That's what I'm looking for. A magnifying glass to your flaws and say, let's make these right. better. Let's fix them. That's such a courageous thing to do. And I admire that so much. It has been a dream of mine. Actually, on Martin Luther King Day last year. I did a like dream map with my kids and we were talking about Dr. King and, and everything that, you know, he did. And, and we did this dream map and I wrote on there, um, publish a book. And my six-year-old at the time was like, mommy, you've got to do this. And he still will bring up to me, (laughs) when are you going to write your book, mom? You know, cause kids are just like, just do it. Like there's no big deal. And honestly, I think that's the part that I've been like, am I ready to really like dig in deep and like be willing to go through that and, you know, critique for the purpose of being better and growing, not just to break apart, just to be mean, but to really truly look, comb through everything with a fine tooth comb. And and that is something I respect so, so much. Oh my goodness. Um, I love everything that you've been putting up recently and just the honesty and vulnerability but then just the truth that you've been sharing on social media. You mentioned the poem you put on your story. Um, You spoke recently about the opportunity and responsibility that we have to love as Christ followers. Would you share a little bit about that? Yeah. um, So, and and many people that are going to listen to this currently will know what we're referring to, but even as people refer back, you know, um, and talking about racism, uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of still going through this mm-hmm. time of mourning after yes. George. Um, mm-hmm. So, so we're all. I feel like I. I feel like all of this has been kind of packed into a jar, 
and mm-hmm. and the lid has been taken off. And so now we have to decide what we're going to do to tackle all this that's happening. And mm-hmm. um, I think whether you're a Christian or not, the, the answer really is love. Yeah. I think a lot of times we forget that, that, that we need to fight and tackle things through love that, mm-hmm. that when we, Feel that sense of hatred or division that nothing's going to fix division if it's not rooted in love. Mm. Um, but even furthermore, um, as a Christian, I was talking to my husband, uh, we were having our family Devo yesterday. Mm. Um, we're going through the Psalms right now. And one of them was talking about this one verse about um, ransom me with your unfailing love. And it just hit me that you know, God's love is the common de- denominator. I think we forget mm-hmm. as Christians that, you know, we see grace and we see mercy and we see justice and truth. And we think all of those are the solution. But ultimately, mm-hmm. the solution is God's love. Yes. And his love works through justice. It works through grace. It works through mercy. But his love is the solution. Mm-hmm. And, and those are just vehicles. Those are just um, different modes of his love being manifested. Um, so I, I personally, I believe that that's what we have to focus on yeah. in this time. Yeah, that's so good. I love how you talked about it. it's our job. Like it is our responsibility. We have received love from Christ. Now we show that love to other people. And you even read in the scriptures where it talks about like, if you don't love, you don't know God. And I think we try really hard to not put that on somebody else. like, you don't know God, but but in reality, mm-hmm. it's the fruits of the spirit, right? It's what we get to mm-hmm. see that, yeah. that, that's the evidence of our relationship with God. And if that's not there, how are we bringing people to him? How are we making this world a better place? And I, I think it's so beautiful, the things that you've, you've shared. And for me, you know, a few weeks ago, I was not naive or blind to the fact that racism still exists and is still a problem. And there's so many things that need to change in our country. But I was sharing with you earlier, I feel like my stance was in my relationships and in my friendships, because I have a beautifully diverse community of friends, we would have conversations and, and tears have been shed and stories have been shared with, you know, experiences that were unjust and not fair and, and racist. I mean, for lack, you know, like no way around it. That is absolutely what was going on when talking to people that I love. And my husband is a minority. He's one of those people where you look at him and you go, what are you? I mean, he's been asked that question more times than I can count. People go, where are you from? And he's just kind of, you know, a little sassy. And he's like, Orlando, Florida. And like, no, but like, where are you from? And they like press the issue. But I mean, you know, I've experienced people, some people, it's just curiosity and they just want to know, like, you know, I'm like the proper way to ask that would be like, what's your family's heritage? Not where are you from? Mm. Um, but I feel like in this season, I, it's really opened my eyes. And when I did some self-reflecting and just looking at myself and saying, okay, God, you know, I was praying the verse, like search me and tell me if there are any offensive ways in me. I recognized that I really tried to separate my feelings and my thoughts and all of that and kind of avoid sharing on social media. Like that's where I drew the line. It was like social media it's going to be a place where I share Bible verses or pictures of my kids or, you know, like the, the, the fun, fluffy, good, helpful. I don't want to rock the boat too much here. People don't know my heart. And not even so much that I was afraid to speak out against racism, but more just what do I have to say that's going to make a difference? And in mm-hmm. my journey of trying to just find some voices that could speak to 
what can I do? And what does God say about this? I found you and you have been such a light and such a safe place. Um, not everyone has been as kind as you have been in just saying, Hey, like, here's what we can do going forward. Here's the things that you can evaluate about yourselves. And that has been so helpful for me to take some action steps. But I want to hear from you. I think something that's been so powerful in my life when I, when I hear, you know, of people talking about, you know, racism or systematic racism or, or racial oppression, any of that kind of stuff. I know that's real because I know people. I've heard personal stories. Mm -hmm. If there's someone listening that maybe doesn't have the, you know, benefit and is not fortunate enough to have relationships with people who look differently than them, who are, you know, have different backgrounds, as this beautiful, creative, strong Black woman, would you just share some of your experiences, some of your story to where they could hear a different perspective? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I will start by saying, like, for for Black women, uh, it is different than Black men. Uh, unfortunately, Black men, what they go through is very overt. Um, mm. Whereas with us, it's more, uh, I don't know how to put it, like, it's almost more secretive. Mm. Uh, it's very social, rooted in social issues. Mm. Um, so... For example, um, I actually used to work for this company. I won't name names, but it's a well-known mm -hmm. uh, women's store. And a friend of mine who also is Black, we were both working there. Uh, and actually, I had worked at another branch in Tulsa when I went to school. So okay. I'd just come back home for the summer, and we were working there, and one of our managers we could very clearly see like she had some um issues when it came to race she did treat us differently but mm -hmm. if you were to say something you could tell she would probably brush it off because you know honestly mm -hmm. let's be real most people that that have racism in their heart don't want to admit to that mm -hmm. um when i worked at that store i also went to another location to shop and typically almost almost every time I went to another location or even when I went out of town um to that same type of store uh, I would often encounter people being extra suspicious extra cautious mm. asking me extra questions um mm. checking in on me you yeah. know maybe giving me like three minutes time <laughs> before yeah. they check in on me again Mm -hmm. Um, and being asked several times what I'm doing. And I think, I think with that, it was just the thought of like, you must be stealing or you must be mm -hmm. up to no good because you're resisting uh, my help without realizing, you know, for me, I didn't need the help because I worked there <laughs> and yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean to be rude or anything, but when I'm asked, you know, four or five times in the same section of the store. Um, at some point, I'm not going to want to shop. <laughs> and I have left places because of that, um, unfortunately. Um, I've also had some issues with, like, at the grocery store, mainly since uh, having children. Uh, the viewers or the listeners might not know, I am married to a white man. Um, so I have biracial kids, but they do not 
look black. I will be honest. Really? <laughs> they are very light skinned kiddos. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't blame people for not knowing um, that they, they aren't um, mm-hmm. necessarily just white. However, I have encountered people where their first reaction is to say like they must be adopted or mm, yeah and and it's weird because you could ask my husband and he'll tell you that our oldest just looks like a light skinned version of me mm. <laughs> and she acts just like me oh. <laughs> um, so it's obvious there's some semblance but then there's right. the discrediting um mm. of our relationship or even just um this is one grocery store I hated to go in because this one lady felt she always felt the need to explain how to use the self-checkout oh my and God. I mean every time I I've been there several times and I can name five or six different instances where she was like telling me how to swipe my card or oh my um, telling me how to use a coupon. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. I've shopped at this store for a year now. I, I think I know how to use those things. Um, so people just, she didn't seem to um, talk that way with other people. Most other mm-hmm. people, she might just check in and say hi. Yeah. But it was always, for some reason, her, she wanted to explain things to me. And it just got to a point where I, I just, I didn't really want to keep going. Mm. to that same store because it always seemed like I had issues at that one store um so a lot of times it's stuff like that um being in a certain part of town that there's more uh, like higher level income people um Mm. even in elementary school being told you know you are different or you sound white or you're an oreo or um Mm. people just assuming different things about who I am just because I sound different um, Mm -hmm. than what they might picture a Black person to sound like. Yeah. And I think that's the thing when we talk about life-giving words, that verse that talks about words give life, words kill. They're either poison or fruit. You know, people who've experienced that, that side of people using their words to be so hurtful and to make you feel less than and I'm so sorry that you've ever had to experience that. And I can't imagine as a mother, you know, I just, that breaks my heart. Do you feel like there's hope that your kids will experience a different world? Like that, that there can be racial reconciliation. What do you think you would say are the main things that we really need to look at for that to be true so that our kids can hopefully experience a different world? Right. Um, I think there is hope. Uh, the hard part is, is, you know, to really see this happen, to see this change. I, I personally believe that's going to take participation. So if okay. this was like a math problem, I would say, you know, hope plus participation or hope times participation oh, yeah. um, would equal change. And I think participation, I think you slightly mentioned it before, it, it, it takes conversation. Um, so I think the hope here right now um, really is fueled also by how much are we going to participate and participate adequately. Um, you, we don't have to have the same experiences for us to all take ownership. Um, right. We can all align with fighting breast cancer or mm-hmm. fighting um assault um human trafficking we can all align with that without personally experiencing that and Mm -hmm. and so i think 
in this case, we need to do the same where we take our time to realize that if we don't take ownership of this cause, just fight together as one unit, then yeah, we might not, we might not see change, unfortunately. Um, but, mm. but putting that also for our kids and realizing that this change might not even happen in our lifetime. Um, mm. You know, yeah. we might all be travailing for a while. Um, so just to keep realizing that we need to leave our kids a world that benefits them, that doesn't crush mm-hmm. their spirit. Oh, yeah. um, that's going to happen through that collaborative um, conversation and participation. Mm, yeah. And I think it's so true that we don't need to put a timeline on this, but every single day, just taking that day as a gift and taking responsibility. And like you said, participating. Um, one thing that, um, I shared something that stated, you know, some different things. And then it said black lives matter. And I had someone reach out to me and say, I want to send you information about that organization. And I responded and said, I don't need information about the organization because I'm not talking about an organization. I'm talking about the Mm -hmm. fundamental truth and reality of this statement. And just Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, when it comes to breast cancer, I also had a friend use the analogy. You don't show up at a breast cancer walk and say, what about diabetes? What about, you know, all these other, what about, you know, any other illness? You say, yeah, no, breast cancer, like this is what we're focusing on right now. And I think that's one of the biggest hangups for people is the political side of things or who's funding what or what, you know, this is corrupt. That's, I'm not talking about that. And, and I, right. I appreciate so much that you have just gone back to like what you said. We have the opportunity and responsibility to love and we can join together and we can do this together and we can link arms and our kids can see us learning and examining and growing and becoming better. I love what you said. Um, you shared four myths of racism, anti-racism. And I thought it was just, I'm trying to pull it up right now because I want to share. So four, four myths about anti-racism, the anti-racism movement. And number one was white people are the only people who could be racist. And you talked about how racism can show up in the hearts and mouths of anybody from any people group. We have to be careful to check all of our hearts for racist tendencies. I personally feel like I've experienced a few different times where people um, of color, people of minority, you know, any, any other race have kind of viewed me a certain way. And then they find out that I'm married to a minority. And there's like a, oh, literally, one mm-hmm. said, why didn't you tell me that when I first met you? And I was like, but why does that matter? Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel like I want to get to the place across the board. I do not deal with oppression. I do not deal with the concerns that the black, I'm, I'm not trying to compare by any means. Please hear my heart. I'm not trying to say that, that I am not privileged. I recognize that I am, that I am not, you know, somebody that doesn't have to worry about certain things, but I do, I have seen, and I do see the tendency in the human nature to just size somebody up by the way they look, whether that's what they're wearing, you know, are they poor or do they have money? Or this color of their skin. Oh, you know, she's white, so she doesn't know anything. Oh, wait, she's married to him? Okay, maybe she can be cool. Like, you know, or she's black, or she's this, or she's that. And I just want to get to the place where we can celebrate diversity and differences, but at the same time, not judge somebody by that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you feel like that's something mm-hmm. that is is true and, and, and that could be 
helpful for our our nation to recognize that we want to celebrate. We don't want to be colorblind. We want to celebrate diversity and differences, but we're celebrating them. We're not making judgments based off of them. Right, right. And that was that's actually the point of that first one. I knew I was going to get pushed back on that first comment. <laughs> and I did have a, I did have a couple of people, yeah. ironically enough, people that are white were upset about that. Really? Wow. Um, yeah, I, I do believe that's the case. And um, I, I, I feel like we kind of missed the mark. I, I talked at a church this past, this past weekend. Um, and that came up, that sense of feeling like almost like, well, okay, now white people are being berated and told that they're racist and not every white mm-hmm. person is a racist. And they feel like all of a sudden they have to carry this huge weight or this guilt, like they're being condemned. And um, so that was the point of that, uh, mm-hmm. that we must not forget that as we fight anti-racism, that literally all colors, not just mm-hmm. all minorities, but all colors and all races, all ethnicities, all nationalities, everybody should be celebrated in some mm-hmm. way. And and I think that the tragedy that we might face if we're not careful in this time is all of a sudden we're fighting against people that really should be on our side. Um, mm-hmm. We should be linking arms with yeah. white people. We shouldn't be fighting them and making them feel condemned. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the point of this at all. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's so unity. I mean, I just feel like that if we can be unified and we don't have to agree on everything, but I think everyone just tries to figure out, you know, what do you, you know, where are the differences, but I love, um, we, our staff at our church did a, um, got to attend like a virtual conference and it was all about racial reconciliation. And we got to hear from Bishop T.D. Jakes. We got to hear from Latasha Morrison and, and just a bunch of really amazing communicators and people who are doing incredible things in the community. But one thing was find some common ground. Like that's one thing that I've been hearing is recognize that you don't have to agree on everything, but can we all agree that all people deserve to be loved and treated equally? Yes. Okay. Right. Let's go from yeah. there. You know, it doesn't have to be, well, which political party is going to get us the best results. And I think, you know, when we, when we as followers of Jesus, we yeah. know he's our only hope. God is the answer. Mm-hmm. He is our only, you know, the only solution. It doesn't mean we just sit in a closet and pray by any means. We need to be active in, in having our voices be heard. And, you know, people obviously died for our right to be able to vote. And that is important. But I feel like it's something that people get so hung up on that, the political side of things or or the differences, and they forget the things that we have in common. And I, I literally was telling my husband, I was like, I feel like this woman, you, is like my like twin, <laughs> like long lost twin. <laughs> like we don't, we don't like, but just your heart for people, and you do it so well. I would love. Last thing, I just would love to hear about as someone who has a degree in Christian counseling, and then as an author, how have you seen the power of life giving words? Could you speak on that for a minute? Yeah, ironically enough, that's uh, <laughs> the the main thought behind my first book, Arise with Singing. So that's mm-hmm. perfect. But um, I think I think we forget that our words have weight mm-hmm. um, because they're not just us breathing and and expelling breath. You know, they're not just exhaling. But our our words, I honestly 
are like the evidence of our thoughts. They're the evidence mm. of our beliefs. They're the evidence of our feelings. And so we have to realize and remember that our words are just just the fruit of of what we're feeling and thinking. Um, so f- for me personally, I, I like to say reflect over react. And I found there's so much power in taking that time to reflect and really get to the root of, okay, why am I saying this? What is this about? And mm. how can I change it? Um, how can I, how can I facilitate growth yeah. and, and learn and, and know that doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. Obviously, <laughs> as I mentioned before, I edit my books and I jump to saying that I'm awful (laughs) so obviously I'm not perfect at that Mm -hmm. Uh, I have flaws in how I use my words and and how I uh, choose not to listen Um, but I'd say that you know when you re-evaluate what you're saying and you take the time to reflect on you know what am I thinking and feeling and why am I saying these things to myself why am I saying these things to others Mm-hmm. Um, then you can get to the root of what's going on and you can change you I think we forget as people we can change yeah uh, and we can grow um, but we have to stop and reflect on what we're saying and what we're thinking we have to evaluate those things and get to the root of why these things are happening so that we can change that's so good and so true and I think it's so hopeful to know that we can change you know it gives us so much hope for a better and different future. And I think the thing that I just, I want to remind anyone listening of today is if you feel like your life so far would not be described as life to the full, life abundantly, the the things that God's promised us, there's some changes that could be made to help you step in that direction. And it's a process and it's a journey. And just like you said, I'm not, no one is perfect. No one has arrived, but being able to say, okay, let me reflect. That's so powerful to be able to step back and go, why, why am I using these words? Why am I, you know, what thoughts are getting me here? And that's so, so good. I so appreciate that. I love to take an opportunity for the end of each episode and just share what I love about you. And I want to do that today with you, Christian, if you're okay with that. Um, (laughs) I would just love, you know, it's funny. I started listening to podcasts at the beginning of 2019 and I just, would always love when people did interviews and I would hear these people being interviewed, just kind of pour their hearts out and pour their souls out. And then it was just kind of like, okay, thank you. You know? And I thought like, I want to be the kind of podcast where when I interview somebody, I feel like I can pour back into them for a minute. I feel like I can take my words as the gift that they are. And not to say that my words, you know, just mean something incredible or I'm super special, but they are a gift. And I want to pour that back in. And so what I love about you is your boldness and your consistency in speaking the truth in love. Those two things I have seen go hand in hand and you don't, you don't leave out one or the other. You, you have truth and you have honesty, but it's, it's so hope filled and it's so loving. And I love that God is using you as a light in this world. I view you as like a mouthpiece for the Holy spirit. Like the minute that I start thinking like God's kind of, stirring something in me or doing something in me i'll see something you've shared and i'm like and even in this conversation i'm just like yes that is exactly what we need to be hearing right now um and i'm so thankful for that i'm so thankful for the way that you pour out your gifts and talents you are so creative and you're so talented but one thing that stood out to me is it doesn't ever appear like you're doing this for some kind of following or audience or 
proud. It's just this faithful servant following Jesus saying, I want to listen to your voice. I want to do what you say. And if people cheer, great. If people boo, fine. I mean, I just picture this like runner running a race, fixing their eyes on Jesus, which is what we all aspire to do. And you just, you do that so, so well. And you have such a gift for creating a space for others to grow. So I'm so thankful for you. And I am so thankful that God has crossed our paths. I want everyone to go check out all your books, but especially Eyes on You. It is just amazing. And I'm going to link in the, like I said, in the description, um, how everyone can connect with you on social media so they can they can just be inspired and encouraged. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me here and for your kind words. I appreciate that so much. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for connecting with me and reaching out to me. Of course. I'm so excited to see all that's going to come. I mean, if you wrote five books and then two other works in three years, we're going to we're going to experience some <laughs> awesome stuff. We'll circle back around next year and you'll be, um, you'll be, you know, just have lots more goodies for us. So I'm excited for everyone to get to check out your work because it's truly inspirational. And I know that you'll, I would love to have you back on the show again in the future and hear more of what God's doing in your life and just continue this conversation. I think that's something that's so important is some really amazing conversations have been started in the last few weeks. And my heart, and I believe your heart, is that that continues, that we don't stop here. Right. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I love it. All right, girl. Thank you so, so much. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. It means the world to me that you would give me some of your time and that you're joining me on this new journey of the What I Love About You podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I would love for you to leave a review. I'm listening. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's speaking to you, what God's using in your life, what you love, what you don't love. I'm here for it all. I would love for you to leave a review. And then I would love to connect on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Kaylee Oser, at Kaylee Oser, K-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H-O-S-E-R. Have a great day. And hey, let's use our words to give life this week.